This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of hi good morning uh, to the doc and the guru podcast gordon how's it going it's going all right, you know. We're all navigating interesting times. Uh, I've given up trying to make sense of it, Doc. I think I'm just I'm in sort of positive survival mode, if there is such a thing. But <laughs> making sense of it is I've surrendered that to yeah. people like yourself. Who I'm sure, we'll make sense <laughs> no, of it all. You know, Gordon. I think we all go through that. You know, the phases. And a few weeks back, I was, I was chatting about you know being up one day and and you're not depressed on that, but just a little bit like flat, you know, um, and I guess it's those, you know, those stages of, of, of managing change, you know, if you look at some of those models, and I guess if you if you look at that, you know, you can go through fairly predictable stages in terms of, of acceptance and, and, and so on and so on, and hopefully, you know, we um, get into the back end of this, you know, and that we, we can move as a country, uh, move out into, into a brighter future, whatever that may hold. Well, that's that's great news, and somebody who is going to help make sense of the media and uh, diversity of media in South Africa uh, is the CEO of MDDA, the Media Development and Diversity Agency, Zuki Poche, who's with us today. Zuki, hi. Thanks for, for making the time for us today. And you're going to make sense of the whole media diversity program for us. I can only try, uh, uh, Mr. Muller. I see, I think I've been joined by you, but uh, I was with Doc just now. Yes, I can only I'm, try to do that, please. I'm here as well, Zuki. So thanks very much for taking oh, the time. Oh. You know, we always appreciate uh, interesting guests and, and, you know, Gordon and I try to keep it conversational in tone and also, you know, enlightening and encouraging for listeners to get involved. And so, you know, a little bit later on, we'll give out your details. But for, for listeners, please be part of the conversation. So, Zuki, thanks very much. Uh, and, and we look forward to a chat, uh, chat with you. Yeah, and Zuki, I Thank think you very much. you've allowed me to use your, your kind of preferred short name, Zuki. So let's stop the Mr. Muller. Uh, only Doc calls me Mr. Muller. That's just, you know, a rule in the, st in the studio here. But I think if you can, I mean, MDDA has been around for a while, but to be honest, I've kind of lost 
uh, track of the journey. Take us back a little bit about you know, the MDDA. What were the thoughts behind its formation? What was the mandate? Where and you know what what's evolved in the last? Uh, I think it's what uh, ten years or more even. Yes, no, it's 16 years 16. now. Uh, we're turning 20 in 2023. Um, and in, on, in January 2020, sorry, 2023, we're turning 20. 2003, uh, the MDDA started operating. However, if, if we just, uh, if I take, if I must take a step back, just one step back, uh, and, and, and point out that uh, the community media in South Africa was not born out of the MDDA. In fact, the MDDA was established by government uh, in partnership with uh, the major broadcasters and major print to actually formalize and, 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 and fund formally uh, the community media. Otherwise, uh, the community media actually existed pre-democracy. Uh, we you would know that we had, uh, uh, before Bush Radio was born, Bush Radio itself was born out of uh, another uh, uh, community service project called uh, Cassettes, which used to distribute cassettes uh, to train uh, journalists and, and to, to publicize news or broadcast news, news that was ordinarily supposed to be on the radios. But however, because uh, the, the, the airwaves were controlled during the apartheid by the, by the state government. And so uh, we had a lot of civil society actually coming up, uh, students rising up and wanting to ensure that there's different voices in the in the media space, space and that there is democracy or there is freedom of the of the of the airwaves and the media at large. So so we've seen that uh, that uh, at GCIS when it actually then drafted the first white paper to parliament uh, before the formation of the MDDA, it was to ensure that uh, the community media was then at least formalized by government that there was proper support towards it so that it could sustain. But otherwise, it was the pre-democracy to ensure that there was democracy also in this country. So I think I, you've really put something really important on the table and coming so soon after, after the Youth Day uh, commemorations, I think it's really important that we reflect. And if we re reflect on the USA as well, what happens when communities don't have a voice? Things go horribly wrong, so it's it's really crucial that we have a, an MDDA which is which is fully functioning. A little a little bit more about the mandate. So that's the background to MDDA going forward as we look at this uh, the new world that we're in now. Um, what, what's the mandate? I mean, where are we going? You and I have had conversations about you know, potential future role for MDDA. Where, where do we see things going, particularly now? Uh, in the post-COVID-19 uh, kind of landscape, which is really on us right now. All right. Um, thank you, Mr. Muller. You know, the, the mandate of the MTTA is drawn directly from the, from the Constitution of South Africa, that being the access to information and uh, freedom of press, and in that people of South, South Africa should actually have access to information and also be spoken with and spoken to in the languages that they, they understand. So, the main purpose the MDDA was formed was to ensure that those communities that were underserviced by the major print and, and major broadcasters, uh, previously disadvantaged communities, people who spoke indigenous, in, indigenous languages, that there was a sector that catered for them. So we tend to refer to the community media sector as the third tier of, of, of the media, uh, because there's, there's uh, a, a public broadcasting uh, we've got uh, commercial and then we've got the community media. 
and so and so it plays a very crucial role in ensuring that there's voices for the voiceless there is nation building there's public participation but most so as stated in the constitution that there is access to information by all in south africa it's kind of interesting you talk about the third tier you know community media being the third tier in terms of legislation but What's really crucial is we, we also recognize that for many, many people, many millions of people, it's the first reality. Uh, and, 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 and talking about the third tier, let's not sort of drop it down to, to that kind of level. Um, one of the concerns you know, I, I do have is, is the evolution of, of ownership in, in community media. I mean, you published a seminal white paper, I think in 2009, on trends of ownership and control of the media, which was... You know, let's say relatively damning. Um, has there been any progression with respect to that? Any any signs of encouragement in terms of of ownership, um, community ownership, just you know, as well as commercial ownership? Oh yes, Mr. Mulak, definitely. Uh, that paper, which is I think eleven years old now, that uh, we commissioned back in two thousand and nine. If you notice in that paper, uh, the research talked about talk, still talked still talks of eighty nine community radio stations. The sector has grown exponentially since then. Uh, today, we talk about 280, more than 280, thereabout, community radio stations. Uh, we have funded four televisions. In fact, I think it would have been five if Sikukune did not uh, 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 did go under. And I think we can talk about the sustainability of the sector. And again, in terms of the print itself, there's more than 200 publications and the MTDA has funded about 100. Uh, Mr. Muller is important and Doc to mention that we could have funded, in terms of the footprint, we could have funded more projects than, than what we're seeing because we've funded about 160 or 150 community radio stations. The reason we can't necessarily expand is that over time we've seen that same people come back and we fund the same people because it is difficult for us to actually leave an investment we've already invested in. So once we've bought you the, the studios and, and equipment and and, and 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 so forth, and then you are unable to actually continue trading or continue doing business or continuing doing doing your your job, very crucial job of ensuring that people have got access to information, including information from government, uh, particularly around uh, this time when we've got the pandemic and, and, and in all emergency situations, but generally people massive information because it brings the history, it gives them hope. And that it is, if it is information from government, it must be information that is able to assist them develop their lives. Uh, and, 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 and that is the thing with the community. So ownership and control of the media is very crucial for us as the MTDA. It's one of the criteria when we select to, 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 to fund or to support the project. Ownership and control, it must be uh, by the people who were previously disadvantaged and preferably in indigent languages. Mm. So what we've what I've, what I've already said is that um, the sustaining the sector or sustainability of the sector has become key. It's very crucial, and it has come under spotlight under this COVID nineteen. And I think we'll talk about that later. Yeah, thanks, Suki. And I think you know, Gordon. One of the things that you and I've spoken about in quite a few of our shows is not just the media component but also the creation of the work that sits on the media platform so Zuki just in terms of you know if you've got young agencies uh, previously disadvantaged agencies creating work uh, in the respective languages of the of the uh, constituents 
are they supported by you as well, or are you only a media support body? Yes, we are. So we don't only support uh, these entities financially. I've just had uh, a, a, a meeting this morning with one of the major uh, uh, print media houses. Uh, we're having those meetings because they had agreed with government when the MDTA was, was established that they would continue with support. However, I think because we know that uh, uh, we, we know that the, especially the commercial print is losing a lot of money under these difficult economic uh, uh, conditions. So we lost their support, financial support, back in 2014-2015. Uh, initially, they blamed it on our instability in terms of the leadership vacuum in the organization. However, when we pursued that uh, after I joined the entity, it did turn out that they actually did not have money to, to, to support us. So we continue to support the, 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 the media, community media sector in various ways. For instance, we have met with the telecommunications uh, organizations not to seek for funding from them, but to say if we would like to ensure that our community media sector has got digital presence, what could, how, how, how can you help us? And they said, no, we can zero rate uh, a URL, an app, and so forth. So we, we are taking stock of who has got a website and so forth, and we will work with the telcos where we can. Uh, so that is just that, but one. But to also professionalize the sector, we, we've got a unit in the, in the, and we've got different programs in the organization. And one of the programs or the units is training and development and research. Uh, for instance, the study that you're talking about, that ownership and control study that was done uh, 11 years ago, we were supposed to have actually updated that study last year when it turned 10. Uh, in, in any event, it was supposed to be a, a report that's regularly updated. So we're updating it after 10 years of existence and we'll keep it live on our website and we'll just continuously update it. So we are updating that study because research is part of the biggest things that we are doing. You asked me, Mr. Mula, and I'm not sure that I got to that question yet. You asked me about the future of the MDDA. Look, the MDDA has got a lot of funding from the from major broadcasters. Uh, government has also been steady in its support. Uh, however, as I've said, we only lost the part of the print. So print, a uh, uh, small commercial print, community print struggles a bit because uh, the, the regulations of the MDDA is uh, published in 2003. Uh, give us the split in budget of how much must go to broadcasting, how much must go to print and research. Print is the one that's suffering the most. If I can go back to the splits, it says that the total budget must uh, of the of to total budget of the MTDA, 60% must go to broadcast, and we 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 currently sitting at 53% with the broadcast, which is not bad. But if you go to print, the regulations provide for 25% of the budget. However, it had uh, actually thought that that budget would come from the uh, commercial print, which we're not getting. So out of the 25% that's supposed to go to print, we're sitting at, what, 6%, 4%? It's, it's such a small amount. The budget is so insignificant. It, it, it's not even funny. So we are trying to work with the major print uh, 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 houses to see what can they what can they offer us. For instance, they talk about matching our, uh, our print or publishers with their nearest um, where they print, uh, with the print, print houses yep. or, or, or warehouses, print warehouses. So if we've got community uh, print outlets in KZN and we have, uh, we've, we've signed an MOU with Kextin 
or we've signed an MOU with independent media or, or meet even media 24, they said that they would then pair our, our, our publishers with the nearest uh, uh, print warehouses so that the distribution is also not, not expensive. We've spoken to them about things like they can uh, make us access paper cheap. They, they're giving us print, printing discounts, very big discounts. They're also offering us capacity building initiatives, tips and so forth. Uh, and they also are prepared to work with us in ensuring that we digitize uh, the, the, the print, the, the community media sector. So those are the concessions that we've made with the, with the major print houses because they are unable to commit financially. And we're happy about that, that we can go, because we think that if we've got entities, organizations, that we can get those services uh, for free or almost for free, then we can free up some of our budgets. So if there's a training budget for $2 million and we're able to go to other sectors and to go to other organizations and actually get those kinds of interventions that we had, we had planned uh, with with cost effect cost effectively. Then at least we free up that money and it can go back and we can plow it back to projects. So it's it's very encouraging to hear that there are those sorts of uh, initiatives going on in the background. I mean, just as an aside, you know, in terms of available monies, irrespective of sector. The World Advertising Research Council just reported this morning that globally, uh, advertising budgets have been cut by 75%. So um, the the money is just simply not there. And then we have the additional uh, factor, which is that, you know, some anywhere between 25 and 30% of money locally, 50% globally is going into basically Google and Facebook. So those kinds of resources are just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. But just a quick question, because... It strikes me listening to you, and and this may be something one has to revisit the historical formulation of the MDDA, but one of the core offerings that any community has is its geographic, geographical positioning, which leads me to conclude that out of home is an incredibly important uh, asset for any community. Is there any, any thought at all of getting the out of home industry in to, to contribute as well? Because... We've got something like 300 uh, small out-of-home businesses, uh, many of them linked to communities. Is there any plan to include it and make the pile a little bit bigger? If I'm in a small geo community in the middle of uh, the, the, the Eastern Cape and I can, I can put up a billboard outside my community that it has a value, it just intrigues me that we're still talking about broadcast and print, but we're excluding out-of-home, which is 10%. In fact, out-of-home is beginning to rival Newspapers and magazines is an advertising revenue source. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Advertising was never really a a mandate of the MDDA per se. And and that having worked with the GCIS, uh, I think I've been been fortunate in that uh, I've been at the GCIS 12 years before I joined the MDDA. And that is one of the of the of the things that the, the GCIS does through its media buying uh, units uh, to, to, to support um, uh, the out of home or, or billboards. But what I can I can say today is uh, we're very excited actually that you would recall that there was uh, if, uh, an order made by the Competition Commission Tribunal back then before I joined the MDDA. And I found uh, a 2017 signed MOU uh, by the, between the Competition Commission and the MDDA back in 2017. And that MOU was as a result of 
the of the competition commission finding about 11 uh, big media houses uh, to a larger amount however the mou had stated that that money should 30 percent of it at least should go to bursaries of black students that should uh, that would study uh, uh, either advertising or media studies at universities or colleges, and part of that should also part of that fund should also go to startup uh, not to startup yeah to startup capital, and part of it should actually then go into mentorship and coaching again of 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 black uh, black people of black students. Uh, so it's been a uh, back and forth trying to understand exactly what uh, the, the MOU and how we could implement it. At some point, we were not sure that uh, we got the requisite skills to implement it because we never really dealt with students and so forth. But eventually, we've come to an agreement. Hence, I'm saying there's, there's been so many other positive things uh, 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 that have come out of this uh, period of, of lockdown. We had a meeting with the competition commissioner in April, I think first week of April, to again clarify the MOU and, and its, its, its intention. And I think it was very eye-opening that for the first time we got him telling us that the aim for that uh, with that MOU was to actually and to give us the money as the administrator of that economic development fund is the MPA, was is to ensure that there is transformation in the advertising sector. And we're like, wow, uh, we did not look at it like that because it talked about bursaries and so forth. And, and, and that is the aim of that of that fund, to ensure that there is a transformation in the advertising media sector. So we then wrote back to them and we said, given that the, 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 the people that or entities that were wronged by these cartels through their malpractices is the community media itself, uh, especially advertising companies and media companies, would you allow us to then use a portion of that money to actually sustain, try and sustain the existing, in addition to uh, the ones that uh, we must start up because they only provided for startups. And we said, please, can we also get some money from the same fund to, in, to also include those that are existing? So the intention is really to go back to the advertising uh, uh, agencies and support them with this money. We've not publicized it because we only got back the, the, the agreement or they only agreed, I think, a week ago. And we are in the process of resigning the, the MOU. And I think um, we're excited about that, that that is, is, is moving. So we've also been in touch with previously disadvantaged uh, institutions to work with them, see if we can collaborate with them in actually either developing a, a qualification, a credited qualification on advertising media studies so that we can actually ensure that we implement the MOU. But in as far as us having a mandate towards uh, the out-of-home law about GCIS, would uh, would would have that mandate, unfortunately not. So that, but that that all you know, presents a more holistic picture entirely. And I know one thing, Doc. I'm going to hand over to you in a second. But uh, Zuki, you also were talking about um, the 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 future. There's a colloquium or lechotla coming up, or, or you you would like to have such a thing coming up in the future, where we can have an open mm-hmm. forum and, as an industry and and stake our claim, so to speak, for. Uh, an element of the of, of these monies? Yes, you know what, uh, Mr. Muller, to be honest, I don't even want to call it a colloquium because I think I'm getting tired of the name. Um, the, <laughs> I, I went to, I'm telling you, colloquium, summits, engagement, I, I don't know. What. So, so you're correct. You're correct. There's something like that that's coming. So we... I've gone through a lot of reports, a lot of colloquium reports, a lot of 
and and all of them point to one thing, lack of sustainability in the sector. I then said to the team, you know what, I think we've done checking, we've done listening, we've done uh, engaging, we've done, we've got all the information we need to act. The one thing that we need to do now is to try and build what I term a sustainability model for the community media sector. Don't ask me what it would entail. My ideas are that if our funding model, financial sustainability, a social uh, uh, economic sustainability, you know, all those all those elements that I think what you're talking about and referring to as the colloquium would have to clarify what what firstly we would have to understand in relation to our sector, what do we mean by sustainability? Just in case this is a myth for our sector. But, but a bigger uh, and, and a broader vision for that, uh, Doc and, and, and Mr. Muller, is that uh, I would like, during my tenure at the MDDA, I would like us to see, to, to, to actually have some form of understanding of where these projects or where these entities are. And the, 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 the research should then inform us or tell us what the economic opportunities are in each of the communities where these uh, radio stations, where these televisions and where these publishers are, so that we can we can make informed decision, decisions as the MDDA on whether when we fund a station for a generator or, or rental or, or broadcast is, is the real need of that station. For instance, the, one of the outcomes of the research, because once we go into this colloquium, the colloquium is just there so that it's a consultative conference. That's what that's how I call it. It's a consultative conference. It will bring together academia, the sector, all the sector bodies, relevant stakeholders, government, so that we all able to define what we mean by sustainability for this sector and what are the key elements that we must research in order for us to build the sustainability model. So that is the aim of that workshop, that this workshop then will will emerge from the workshop with the terms of reference for the research. And so in the next 18 months, then we embark on this research, we'll hire a company that would actually, uh, I'm not sure how they're going to do it during COVID, but this company should, and and, and I'm, I'm saying at least for 18 months, I expect this company to be doing this work if it has to be done thorough. So that when we sit at the MDDA and say Mkobela FM needs needs this and that, in fact, we should anticipate it because we have actually done a profile of Mkobela station. We have done a profile of Inanda radio station and so forth. So that so that we've got part of, of, of it is for us to improve on our funding process and our funding uh, and our funding processes in general and methods and so forth and so forth. So that. What I foresee is that we would then, after the research, be able to to group certain projects together. And if I must use the robot analogy, would have red. If we've got an X number of red projects, it would be that it would be because the researchers told us that you know what, these projects are in dire straits. They are in rural rural communities. They are unable to generate a re- revenue. You would have to pay for their stipends. You have to pay for their uh, broadcast equipment. You must maintain it. You must pay for everything. But besides, we must know whether those type of organizations need annual funding. And therefore, we can't allow them to start the queue. We should have an automatic application process for that kind of projects. But 
but you must know whether they, they need operations money, what kind of, of, of support they need on a day-to-day from you and on an annual basis. So that's the one group. Yeah. And in the middle group, which should be an ember, if you stay with, with the robot analogy, the ember group, you want to move some of them to the green. So, so then you check what is the specific resources that they would need in order for them to move to a more comfortable level, which is the green. The group that would be sitting on the green would be the ones that you would just have to support them. Maybe they're running a certain program and you give them money for content generation and so forth. But that we can't fund, I don't believe that we should fund all of them the same. A station in Eden FM and a station in Gandla and a station in Tofilvaba and a station in Pukukwane, in Bembe. It, it doesn't make sense to me. So I would like to understand what what is their uniqueness what is their strengths what is the what lies with their communities what is the strength of their support communities what is the kind of support that the social communities provide because we are saying community media is for communities by the communities that's what it that's what makes the community media media special yeah. right but is my mother sitting in Baba earning grant from government is she able to support a community outlet? You, you know, yes. would, he, would she be able to? Would she have to choose between buying electricity for 20 rents and supporting the station? So those are the things that we would like to understand, the dynamics in, in, within which these uh, stations and these and this publishers operate right. so that we can always have a profile for each or at least a certain profile per group yep. and, 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 and know what kinds of interventions are needed to Doc, I, I'm going to throw this to you to wrap up, but let me pose you the question. I mean, you know, in terms of funding, which is why I kept coming back to advertising, if I pre- produced a model or offered you a model as a marketer, which gave you some sort of additional tax incentive for investing in community mm. media mm. as part of your normal mm-hmm. advertising process, would that be something that's attractive to a- you? Absolutely, Gordon. I think, you know, you know, I've chatted about community uh, work before and I made the point about good creative in other words not necessarily an English ad translated that's not in my view good creative in terms of its originality uh, with the right stuff and accountability uh, absolutely and, and I mean through the years we've done a lot of work across communities in South Africa because we understand that it's not just a national platform uh, and I mean from our side Zuki I mean you've, you've picked up and you started off uh, from what I've read on the internet in preparing for this uh, a hot potato and I'm using that word in the best possible way. It was a bit of a shambles. <laughs> it is. And so well done on some of the stuff that I'm hearing you're doing, you're bringing in governance, you're talking education. And I think we've all used uh, the expression coined by the by the famous man, uh, ex-president Mandela, in terms of education is the most powerful um, way to change the world. Mm-hmm. And, and well done. You know, Gordon and I are passionate. We've spoken about this at length on shows in terms of sustainability, not just doing something for today, but really for tomorrow and the day thereafter. So again, from my side, you know, just in closing, I'm going to hand over to Gordon to close out the show. But I mean, thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for chatting with us, uh, community. And I say that in the, in the community is not a new concept. It's been around from the dawn of civilization. Community is such an important thing for advertisers out there, marketers out there. Yeah. Get involved in the in the dialogue. Consider, as Gordon suggested, uh, consider uh, really getting into your community and understanding it. And I mean, from my side, I'm going to say thank you now and hand over to Gordon. But thanks very much for your for your time and your continued contribution to the sector.
Yeah, thanks, Doc. Thank and, you and, very much, Doc. Thank, thank you, Doc, for yeah. having me. And can I also just attest to the fact that, I mean, I, I don't really know Zuki, but, you know, I've approached her uh, via email and she's been very open to, to, to open and frank discussions. So, Zuki, for, for other folks who feel they, they would like to participate in this process once it gets going, what's the best way to get hold of you via the, the MDDA website? Via the MDDA website, but uh, look, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very open. My email address is zukiswa at mdda.org.za or info, I-N-F-O at mdda.org.za. My PA will send me those, that, that communication. But what I, but I would like to say something uh, uh, that we did not talk about just briefly. But in recognizing that the MD, sorry, the community media sector would actually be under a lot of distress during this COVID-19, the board of the MDDA, obviously persuaded by the executive in March, I think on the 28th, they approved a 20 million uh, emergency relief fund for the, for the MDDA. We've, we've even gone back to them, uh, I think last month, and asked them to increase it to 30 million. We dispersed the first 10 million in April. I think it took us less than two weeks. Uh, if, if not just a week, and we are currently dispersing the second phase 10 million uh, emergency relief. And I think we will call again, make another call again around September, October for the last 10 million, uh, making a total 30 million contribution to COVID-19 uh, relief fund by the MDDA. And this money or this funding, uh, uh, Mr. Muller, is not open to MDDA beneficiaries. It's open to the entire sector. So in the first phase, we funded 116 uh, publishers and 115 community radio stations. In fact, it's 113, and there was one community television that we funded. And as I'm saying, it's open to everyone. People are free to apply. Uh, you apply to applications at mdda.org.za, and obviously, they, they, you must meet a certain criteria. The criteria, all the information is on our website, www.mdda.org.za. Still interested in applying? Uh, please uh, familiarize yourself with the requirements. If you're a broadcaster, uh, you must have a valid broadcast license. Unfortunately, at this point, uh, Mr. Muller, we're not funding online registrations because of the lack of legislation around them. Uh, but please go onto our website and see if you qualify and you can apply in the second phase emergency relief fund for the community media sector and small commercial media. Well, lots of very, very encouraging developments there, and and particularly uh, salute you for the the efforts at the the COVID intervention. And to our listeners out there, thanks for your time again. Tazuki, thank you for being with us. If you have any questions, please fire away on our social media platforms. You can pick us up mm -hmm. on, on any one of a number of interfaces and on our Facebook at Doc and Guru Podcast. And once again, thanks for the time, everyone. And so that was another episode of the Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time.
The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.